We're making our way through the wisdom writings of the Bible in here on Sunday mornings, the ancient books of wisdom called Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. They're found in the Old Testament portion of the Bible. We need more wisdom. It's so valuable in our lives. About a week ago, I was with my wife at Burrito Amigos because we go there every week and our daughter works there too. And we know the owner quite well, Sarah. And I was talking with Sarah because we're about the same age and we were talking about aging. And I looked at her and I said, Sarah, I know we're getting a lot wiser in our old age, but I would trade all my wisdom away for my 25-year-old body, you know? And she goes, oh, I wouldn't. I go, really? And so I went and got my Diet Pepsi, Sweet Nectar of Life, and I'm, I'm drinking that. And then I, I went up and I made another agreement with her. I go, Sarah, would you trade half your wisdom away for your 30-year-old body? And she goes, no, it was too hard to get and it's too valuable. And then she reached down to get something. She goes, oh, my back. <laughs> and then so I go, are you sure? And she's going, yes, I'm sure. It was too hard to get. Wisdom is so valuable, even more valuable than a young, spry, flexible body. So today, let's mine some wisdom out of Proverbs chapter 15 in a message I've entitled, The Power of Happiness. Let's put up Proverbs chapter 15, two verses here, verse 13 and 30 that I want to read. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. What an unusual verse. And then verse 30, light in a messenger's eye brings joy or happiness to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. Some things in this world are far more powerful than we realize at first. I want to show you some images and this has a lot to do with happiness. You'll see. Let's put the first image up there. This is a dung beetle, which if you believe in reincarnation, you don't ever want to come back as. But a dung beetle does not look powerful. They're tiny little things, but they have the ability to push or pull something 1,141 times its weight. I don't know why they added the one at the end of that in that little science experiment. Like, really? They only weigh like half an ounce, okay? That would be like you and I being able to push or pull something the equivalent of what five full-size trucks could push or pull. So these are surprisingly powerful ounce-for-ounce creatures. The second thing that's surprisingly powerful is, let's put up that, this is the image of a, the tail of a blue whale. And whenever you, you see these on video, they just look so fluent and, and they're just gentle. They're big, I know, but you don't think of them necessarily as powerful, more as just big, until you realize that the thrust of their tail can create as much thrust as a small jet engine, okay? Incredibly powerful. And then the last one, this is my favorite. This is Charlotte Heffelmeyer. Does that not sound like a character in Harry Potter or what? Okay. But her name's Charlotte Heffelmeyer. She's getting an award here because of what she did. Her dad was in their garage fixing an older pickup, and an accident happened, and the pickup came off its stand and was pinning him to the ground. But also, a fire started in the accident, and the pickup lit on fire. Charlotte is five foot six and weighs a hundred and nothing pounds, okay? Comes in there and sees it and picks the pickup off of her father, and he rolls out of it, pulls him out of the garage, gets in the burning pickup and pulls it out on three tires, by the way, at this time of the garage, puts the fires out, rescues everybody. Charlotte 
Hafelmeyer. She doesn't look powerful. You wouldn't look at, at that person and go, what a powerful human being Charlotte is, okay? But she's surprisingly powerful, yay for the adrenaline, okay? Some things are way more powerful than we think, and happiness is one of those things. It's surprisingly powerful, and happiness is an important element in every human being's life on planet Earth because it helps us to live out the best version of ourselves. That's why when you watch Snow White, you instantly like happy much more than you like grumpy, don't you? Dopey's my favorite, but I like happy better than grumpy. Happiness isn't just for us either. It's a gift that we give the entire world, a gift that people desperately need right now because it keeps them from sliding into the pit of despair or as Proverbs chapter 15, it prevents them from having their spirits crushed by the heartache and the pain that's all around them. I want to put up a quote that I just love about happiness. It says this, it's a rebellious in a way to choose joy, to choose to dance, to choose to love your life. It's much easier and much more common to be miserable. And I thought about that quote, and I thought, it might be much more common, and it might be easier to live out your life in misery, but I do not believe for one second that that's God's calling and invitation for all of our lives. I, so I want to talk for a little bit about being a rebel of happiness. And this was just going to be one side point of a sermon today, and now the subject of happiness ended up being my entire sermon, because I, as I studied, I realized happiness is a huge deal in the Bible, Okay. First of all, I want to talk about the right kind of happiness, though. There are a lot of things we can do that bring us feelings and the emotion of happiness, but are completely wrong. I was talking to a person, I hadn't seen him in ages, and it's a friend of Tom and I, um, Tom Haller and I. I hadn't seen him in ages, and I really care for him. And he was talking about his life, and he said he was, um, he's in a really fancy pickup and trailer, and someone got road rage and ran into his trailer, and his trailer's really expensive, and then just took off. Well, he saw the guy in a parking lot, and the guy's a big old burly biker guy that he saw, and he went up to him and says, you got to make it right. You know you hit my trailer. And the guy said, make me. And this guy that I hadn't seen in ages proceeded to beat the living daylights out of this guy to like an inch of his life, should have gone to prison. And he's telling me this, and I'm appalled. I'm like appalled. I'm sitting there with, I don't know what to say. And, and he goes, I know it sounds bad, but it felt so good. And you could hear the happiness in his voice. And I'm thinking, that's not the right kind of happy. I don't think the Bible is saying, yeah, go ahead and feel happy and, and make your happiness involve someone else's pain. That's the wrong kind of happiness. But then before judging him, I thought about my own life. And I thought, I recalled a time when I was in high school I don't know why I'm laughing because it's really mean what I did. But a friend and I were seniors and we were in woodshop class in Pleasant Hill. And you made all these things out of wood, different bowls and goblets and tables and furniture. And we stored them all because you couldn't finish them in one day. It took weeks. We stored them all in these wooden shelves in the back. And my friend and I, we wanted to cause problems for the freshmen because that's what seniors do. It's like a rite, a passage in your life. You just cause problems for the freshmen, right? And so they put their projects back there and we took wood glue and, and glued them and stuck them on the shelf so that when they came in the next day, we would sit back and watch and they'd try to pull their little bowl off the shelf and they couldn't get it off. They had to chisel it off. It was glorious, okay? I thought, this is so funny. And it brought me such an emotion of happiness Till the teacher discovered our little shenanigans. And then I thought, 
This is not the right kind of happy, evidently. I shouldn't rejoice in other people's pain. So what's the right kind of happy, and what kind of endeavors bring that on? Let me mention just a few, because there's far too many to list in one sermon. The first one is this, experiencing Jesus up close. That brings the right kind of happy. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And this is describing Jesus. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. And it's also my favorite depiction of Jesus. Last week, Jay talked about what does Jesus look like. This is what I imagine Jesus looking like. Because that word anointing, it's just a fancy Bible word that means to immerse or to cover. In the Old Testament, when they'd pray for people, they would anoint them. They would pour either oil or perfume all over their body. And that was what the word anointing meant. It meant to be completely covered. So here it's picturing the images. Jesus is immersed He's covered in joy. So when we draw close to him in a personal, up close and personal experience with Jesus, that joy that he's covered with actually splashes on to us. That is so great. Yet, um, oh, so what we learn here is happiness is actually a byproduct of our connection to Jesus. But some people hesitate here because they have all these fears and doubts and questions. They want to get close to Jesus, but they're afraid to do that. It's like they're trying to hug him while wearing a hazmat suit, and it's just not working. And I get it, okay? I totally get it. To go all in in your relationship with Jesus, to pursue him, to think about him, to talk about him, to talk to him, to ask questions, to discover new things about him, to actually read your Bible and dive into it. That's scary. Some people get afraid of living their life like that because they're going, well, what if that changes me? What if I become weird? And like I've told you before, you're probably already weird, okay? That ship has probably already sailed. Ask the person sitting next to you. They'll just nod their head and go, yeah, yeah, you're there already. Okay, so you don't have to worry about that. And you don't have to worry about the changes that will bring in your life because there'll be changes for the better. And the only way to get the good kind of happy, to get that joy that Jesus is anointed with, is to be up close and personal with him. You can't get it from a distance with him. The second thing that I want to talk about as far as how to connect to happiness is this, doing good. Let's put up Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. I mentioned this in a prior sermon, okay? Doing good for others is actually good for us. It makes us feel good. It makes us happy. Like this verse says, there is nothing better. Put a comma here because I'm going to talk about superheroes for a second. You've probably noticed that there are some superheroes, these like, you know, comic book figures that are brooders. The two most famous that came to my mind, I'll put images of them up here on the screen. I believe we have it. Wolverine and Batman. Look at their facial expressions, okay? Now, these people are out in the world, according to the comic book world. They're doing good. They're helping people. They're serving people, but they're not enjoying the process. They are brooders. Far too many Christians, 
Far too many Jesus followers are doing this. They're out in the world. They're doing good. They're serving. They're helping people. They're making the world a better place, but you'd never know it by their constipated faces and their gloomy outlook on life. They're brooders. That's what they are. And that is sad. That's sad. Look what Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says. This is a great verse. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's a really important piece of wisdom from that. Guard your heart because you live out of the wellspring of your heart. But I would add to that, and guard your funny bone too. Because you might not know this, you might have not learned it in anatomy class, but your heart is connected to your funny bone, and your funny bone actually helps guard your heart. It helps you to not allow despair to seep into your heart and cause you to be a brooder, the kind of person that can't even experience the natural happiness that should come your way in the act of doing good to other people. Third thing I want to talk about, this is what you can do to experience a good kind of happy, connection. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 15. For seven days, this is God talking to the nation of Israel. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all your work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Now, this is God talking to the whole nation of Israel at once. And he's saying, hey, I know you've been in slavery for generations, but you're free now. I've set you free. You're free to live your real life now. You're free to be a human again. And the first thing he does once they walk into this new freedom is he instigates these celebrations, these week-long festivals and holy days. He wanted people to gather together to celebrate how much God loves them and how much they love each other. And these public gatherings brought forth a fullness of joy they sponsored happiness. When my wife and I were first married, we're a blended family, and after we were married for, I think it was a year or two, we took our kids to Disneyland. We thought, happiest place on earth. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? Uh, Famous last words for me, okay? It was a nightmare. We went on the 50th anniversary of Disney, and there was so crowded that it should have been a crime how many tickets they sold. It was a 45-minute wait, to get a fast pass. It was that crowded. You were literally body to body the whole day. I think we went on two rides the whole entire day. And to add to that, some kid pooped in the pool at our hotel, and so they had to scour that out for the week. So we had to walk down the block to a sister hotel to swim there. It was a nightmare. And at one point, my son, who hates Disneyland worse than anybody I have ever met, literally hates it, doesn't like rides or anything, he looks at me, and he was really upset. He was tears in his eyes, and he goes, this is not my happy place. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I totally agree. This is a giant body over factory with... Long lines, short rides, overpriced food. This is terrible. It's not my happy place. Well, in the verse we just read, God is letting us know he's got a happy place for us, but it's not a place in your imagination. It's the public gathering, like today, of like-minded God followers. You see, happiness is most often a communal event, something we experience together. Most of the happiest moments in my life are when I'm with other people. I'm a golfer, and I love to golf with other people because I celebrate their good shots, and I let them celebrate mine. It's so much more fun. I was one time golfing in Hawaii, and I hit one of the most unbelievable shots I'd ever hit in my life, and I was the only one on the course. Not just was I golfing alone in a group. There was nobody else there, and so I went, 
ah, oh. <laughs> there was nothing to do. Because our happiest moments are often experienced communally. That does not mean for one moment that you have to come to this public gathering, this faith community, trying to work up happiness in your life, pretending that you're happy all the time, trying to be a perma-happy person. No, that's not reality. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has sad days. Jesus himself wept. To try to pretend like you're a perma-happy person, that's what clowns do, and we all know how creepy those are, okay? We don't have to do that. Come here, like Amanda was saying earlier, in whatever state you're in, if you're glad, if you're sad, if you're angry, if you're confused, if you're lonely, if you're anxious, just come here. But when you come here, open yourself up to something. Open yourself up to the joy and happiness that is resident in this room. The happiness that comes from knowing you're not alone. The happiness from knowing that God is in your midst because where two or three are gathered, he promises to be. The happiness to know that you are loved. You might not be experiencing the emotion of happiness that day, but praise God we don't have awful days all at once, usually, okay? So let yourself experience the happiness that other people are carrying into this room with them radiate out onto you. That's what makes this our happy place. You might not feel the emotion right away, but, but you're getting something. You're getting something that others have when you come in here. And the last thing you can do to experience happiness, surviving. Yeah, that's a little surprising. Let's look at Psalm 30, verse 11. Can we pop that up there? Here it comes. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth, which was um, a garment of grief, and clothe me with joy, One of the things that helps us to experience happiness in this world is when we go through something incredibly difficult and heart-wrenching and painful, and we come out the other side of it. I remember I was playing basketball, just a pickup game when I was in high school, and I was playing with a coach and some other players my age, and um, someone kneed me in the side of the thigh hard. So hard, it's called getting a dead leg, but so hard I couldn't walk. I just instantly fell down. I mean, all feeling left my leg, and I was shrieking in pain. And the coach, kind of this crotchety old coach, comes over to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, you're going to feel great when this stops hurting. And I thought, you're such a jerk. You're such a jerk. But after about a half an hour, my leg stopped hurting. And I thought, you're right. I feel even better than I did before. It's a miracle. He's like a prophet somehow, a grumpy old prophet. This explains why you can talk to some people and say, hey, what was the worst day or what was the worst season in your life? And they'll describe it to you. And then you'll say, well, what was the best season of your life? And they'll say, the same time, the same time. That's because they've discovered something. There's a redemptive quality to suffering. You come through the pain with a deeper compassion for other people that are suffering. You come through the pain with more gratitude for the good times. You come through the pain with a, a, a more acute awareness of the presence of God in your life. You wouldn't want to repeat the hardship. Heck no. But you wouldn't trade it in easier because of the amazing transformation it sparked in your life. You are a better person because of going through that, and it makes you happy to know that truth. Happy people have problems. We think they don't, but they do. Happy people have problems, but they have the ability to prance through the poop in their life for the goodness that they know is awaiting them on the other side. And by the way, 
Because of this, you're going to discover something. The happiest people you'll meet on this planet, they don't have a bunch of what-ifs. They don't have any ifs in their life. They're not going to say, well, I'd be happy if I was married, or I'd be happy if I wasn't married anymore, or I'd be happy if my kids would just behave, or I'd be happy if I had a better job, or I'd be happy if it stopped raining, you know, stuff like that. They don't have ifs. Because happy people's happiness isn't dependent on their circumstances. They're happy in the good times for sure, but they're still happy even in the worst of times. There's that stubborn happiness they have in their life. A great example of this, Elizabeth Gilbert, she's an author, Eat, Pray, Love, that girl. And she writes about her great aunt Lolly because she says Lolly is the happiest person she knows. If your name Lolly, can you just, you can't be sad, can you? Your name's Lolly for crying out loud. But she says this of Lolly. She isn't just happy, she's like a walking exclamation point. <laughs> Do you know any people like this? I might be this person, okay? She's not happy because everything in her life worked out. She's happy because she's committed to her happiness and because her mother taught her to fly a kite on a windy day. That's what windy days are for, flying kites. She's constantly, stubbornly, and insistently thrusting that kite into the windy sky. The ultimate example of this is that she got cancer when she was 85, and she said, hey, lizard, she calls Elizabeth, lizard, You just love, don't you love Lolly already, okay? She goes, hey, lizard, guess what I have? Cancer. Isn't that interesting? And Elizabeth ends the article by saying, she's exactly who I want to be. Ah, happy people don't have ifs. These are just a few of the things that can take us to the place where we experience this emotion called happiness. But know this, this kind of good happiness It's free from shame and guilt and remorse and regret. And it's not frivolous. And it's not about living in denial. It's when this deep-seated joy that God has placed in all of our hearts wells up inside of us and positively affects our emotions. So to me, if I was going to define happiness, I would call it this. Happiness is carbonated holiness. It's the holiness, the goodness of God that he's placed inside of us, bubbling up and affecting our emotions. So now let's answer this question. Oh, this is where this gets good. This is why I'm so excited about the sermon. Why is happiness so important? Isn't that a good question? Why is happiness so important? So many Christians are afraid to talk about it. They're afraid, oh, if you preach on happiness, you're just, you know, you're just preaching happy, clappy, Christianese kind of sermons. Oh, no. God is committed to our happiness. So why is this so important? First of all, it's the truth. A few years ago, a guy named Pharrell Williams wrote a song called Happy that went to number one in the nation and stuck in everybody's head for the next, like, ten years, and you can't get it out of your head. And part of the lyrics, I'll put them up on the screen so they can get stuck in your head today again. Okay, it says this. It says, clap if you feel like happiness is the truth. You're singing it in your head right now, aren't you? Yeah, you can't help it, okay? And I thought everybody should clap because happiness is the truth. Here's the truth. There is more going on in this world than meets the eye. There's this deeper magic at work. Things are not as hopeless as they appear sometimes. God is good. Love does win. Light does prevail over darkness. The future is bright, and things are going somewhere, and that somewhere is good. Happiness is the truth because it reminds us of the reality of things are going on that we can't always see, and they are very good. 
happiness actually do, it helps us to experience these brief moments that will be like all moments will be in the future. Did you catch that? That's what happiness is. It's this brief moment where you're experiencing in this life what you'll experience in the next life for all of eternity. And second reason happiness is so important, it's about winning. This is my favorite point of this message. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. I love this point because I've told you this before. I am the most competitive person I know. If you're one of those people that likes to just play a game for a game's sake and you never keep score, we're not going to get along super well sometimes, okay? Because I have never played anything that involves keeping score and thought, oh, let's just not keep score. Let's just play for the fun of it. That's not fun, okay? Someone has to win. Someone has to lose. I love you, but I like knowing my score is better than yours, okay? I love you, but I like to beat you. Basically, that's what I'm saying. So, Let me explain why happiness is such a big win, why it's about winning, starting with physics, okay? Physics has shown us that there's this interconnectedness of all things. The space between you and that wall, or the space between you and the person that's sitting next to you, is actually not an empty void. That's what our eyes tell us, but that's not true. It's a field that's teeming with energy that we can't see, an energy that connects. So in reality, there's a singularity going on between us and everything and everyone on the whole planet. We exist in this super cool web of entanglement. And Scripture propagates this idea of a web of entanglement. Check out this verse. This is out of Genesis chapter 28. And this is God talking again to the nation of Israel. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Now check it out. God's talking to an entire nation, and he refers to them as you. He refers to them in the singular. So the imagery of this verse is God saying, all together you are one person. Ah! How cool is that? That's us, okay? That's us. Back to happiness. When we understand how connected we are to every single person we come into contact with and every person on the planet, that's when you realize how important happiness is. Because when you are happy, somehow, someway on a spiritual level, your happiness spreads throughout all of humanity like electricity through a wire. In other words, and hear me really well here, In other words, when you win, everybody wins. When your joy and happiness level goes up, everyone's joy and happiness level goes up. There's another song this made me think of, and it was by Josh Groban, and it's You Raise Me Up. And I won't try to sing it for you because it's amazing. It gives me shivers. But your happiness, view it like this, your happiness is the energy that raises other people up. Not just those close to you, but everybody throughout all of humanity. Your happiness raises them up out from under the weight of despair that threatens to crush their spirit. You're their Charlotte Heffelmeyer. Okay? That's what you are. When you're operating in true, good happiness, you're a Charlotte Heffelmeyer that rescues people from despair all across the planet. Now, obviously, it'll take more than just your individual happiness to get the job done, but rejoice in this fact. Rejoice in knowing that your happiness doesn't just benefit you, it actually benefits 
everyone. It's an important component in light prevailing over darkness. When I have happy days, when things are going great, and I'm just, that joy is welling up inside of me, which often happens during worship, I actually think this thought, thank you, God, that I'm winning right now, because it means everybody is winning right now. Let me pray for us.